4: Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks
5: so much for listening. Hey, everybody. We're back on FFC. Mike and George. Again, follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid, on Instagram, at TV. George is at George Kurtz. I'm at Mike Blewett. And we're here in hour number two talking about the Arizona Cardinals. Uh Colonel Kyle Odegaard, who covers the uh, Arizona Cardinals, uh, did a little bit of a write-up with Cliff Kingsbury talking about the second-year receivers, notably Andy Isabella, uh, Hakeem Butler, and Keyshawn Johnson. Guys are all expected to step up, and he's saying hopefully things go as planned. This is Kingsbury. We got a shot on the field. We start making plays, and things start to take off. Now, it was thought, George, that... Uh, One or all three of these guys would be taking the baton from Larry Fitzgerald uh, and adding to what was then going to be built around Christian Kirk. Lo and behold, a little magic happened this offseason. And DeAndre Hopkins is now part of that. So they went from hoping these second-year receivers would step up to now not needing them to do as much as they were thought to have done. And they might actually have one to six the deepest receiving core in the entire league. But of the guys, uh, Isabella Butler-Johnson, did you have any expectations for any of these guys to make an impact
6: this season? I mean, we're talking NFL impact, probably not much. You know, uh, a little bit fantasy-wise, I think I had some interest in Keyshawn Keyshawn Johnson. Later in my drafts, of course, uh, lottery picks. Guys at the end of the draft, hey, you take them, see what happens here. I think they are a team that was probably going to throw the ball more than most, because I expect them to be in some high-scoring games. Defense still has some work to be done there, and I think yeah. they want to use uh, Kyler Murray to the best of what he can do here. So Johnson would have been my guy there before DeAndre Hopkins.
5: Yeah, I have Andy Isabella uh, in a dynasty league, okay. and, pa- and Paris Campbell. And I thought I was like, all right, I need one of these guys to step up long term, and uh, we'll be fine. I drafted them both last year. Uh, they barely got on the field. Uh, there was no impact. And now Isabella is, I mean, I, I wouldn't call him buried. He could be the fourth receiver in a, on a team that's going to throw a lot, right? We don't think that Kenyon Drake's going to be some crazy workhorse. Kyler's putting it up 35 times a game minimum.
6: I would assume, you know, plus he he runs the ball some as well. They do like to protect him more than most. He's not going to run like Lamar Jackson. They want to protect him, but uh, so he, he can run as 48 well.
5: Forty-eight times last year.
6: Yeah, well, that's the main issue here, right? That is the main issue with this with this offense. Protect Kyler Murray. It's why I love their draft when Josh Jones, the gift from God, falls to you right. out of whatever silly reason that was. This ends up being a really good draft. It wasn't all that thrilled. Mike hearing this week, uh, Isaiah Simmons, the first round pick that they're going to pretty much keep him at linebacker. I'm, I like to see him move around, take advantage of what he can do. But I understand with what's going on, the pandemic, not really having a mini camp. Who knows what a training camp? Tough to take advantage of, uh, take take full advantage of what Simmons can do.
5: Yeah, I, I love him as a player. I do think there's a ton of risk if Vance Joseph can't figure out how to use him right. And people will be calling him a bust through no fault of his own, right? I think you have to utilize him because it's 2020 and we are well into the 21st century and he's a different kind of player. I would personally want him to be all over the field just like you. Right. i throw him at safety for I do what Clemson did with him. Throw him at safety for a couple of plays. Throw him on the edge. Let him rush a passer. Throw him in a blitz package. And then bring him back to linebacker. That's fine with me. I think he's an outside linebacker all day. And if you want to throw him in on dime packages or 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 nickel packages to cover some people, I think he can do that, too. So um, he's, he's a guy that's uniquely uh, has a unique skill and body type to be able to cover these daunting tight ends that we see come into the league, George, like. Noah Fant and T.J. Hawkinson and um, Kelsey and Kittle and, and all these guys. Simmons is a guy that has size and ability to be able to cover them, which those are some of the biggest
6: weapons in the entire league. Yeah, you look at his division, you wonder if that's the answer to Kittle, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, Kittle's the main uh, way, main main weapon. I feel like I'm Elma Fudd uh, for some reason. Main weapon uh, of uh, San Francisco 49ers and Garoppolo, and now you, maybe you have an answer to slow that down. Right. And Simmons here. So I do wonder if that Seattle really and uh, for that matter, the Rams, eh, whatever, it's OK, but they don't have to say anyway near what Kittle is here. And maybe that's maybe that's their answer to San Fran. Uh,
5: right. So Murray's numbers last year, 349 for 542, 64.4 percent completion percentage. He had 20 touchdowns, 12 picks. Again, sacked 48 times uh, for 309 yards as far as him running the ball. He did run the ball 93 times for 544 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, So that's obviously uh, part of the arsenal. I don't think you want to run him much more than that, George. I mean, 93 carries for somebody like him, that's pretty good. I think they have an uptick in number of plays this year, just because I think they'll be a more successful offense. So I think, Kyler, you're looking at about 100 rushes uh, on the year. Somewhere in that range, maybe a little bit less, but I wouldn't be surprised if the throws went up a little bit. I think this will just be a more successful offense in general.
6: I expect it to be more successful. I mean, how could it not be? You know, Jones does make the offensive line better. Hopkins, obviously. Now you got best receiver in the league, top three, whatever you want to say. You want to say you give him top three, fine, top three receiver in the league. That makes everybody better automatically because he will command so much attention from the defense. I mean, Drake will never see an eight-man front. Right, that's it. He's not playing anywhere near the Lions. That's of why Drake. That's off. why
5: Drake could have a huge year. They could, could play spread offense with Kingsbury and Murray and all those receivers, and Drake will be, you know, single set backfield with guys spread all over the field all season long.
6: I would like to see Arizona talk to Tampa Bay about getting one of those tight ends, uh, specifically OJ Howard, because Brayton is probably too much for their cap. But I would like to. See, I mean, you got Max Williams, Dan Arnold, uh, you know, blah. I mean, that's the only thing his offense is missing besides more offensive line help. You know, I'd love to see him um, talk about O.J. Howard, but apparently Tampa wants too much for him. Anyway, I just
5: wonder if Kingsbury isn't that interested.
6: In a tight end. And you're very well right. Maybe. Like Max
5: yeah. Williams could be a big blocking tight end for him, and which is effectively wants. another offensive lineman. Yeah.
6: And uh, that, that could be very very well what he wants. You may be 100% correct there. You know, not every offense needs a tight end. Yeah. You know, so maybe that's it there. But I think it's the only thing they're missing on offense besides the offensive line. Is the tight end. This this offense should score points. Defense, I think it's still a work in progress. I mean, uh, Patrick Peterson had a so-so year last even when coming back from the suspension, wasn't really himself. Can they put enough pressure on the not quarterback? At all, though. No. You know, uh, I wonder about that. It's it's not bad, but it's not, it's it has work to be done there.
5: And they're in a tough division, right? As as reflected by the odds, which we'll go over right now. So to win the NFC West, they're at plus nine hundred. Uh, to win the NFC Championship, plus 2,400, to win the Super Bowl, plus 5,000. The win total, however, is seven. The over minus 115 right now, so not a ton of action, on, not a ton of juice on either side, I should say. But at minus 115 to the over right now, people are shading to the over with them. I think probably in the same way for the same reason that I am. I'm bullish on Kyler Murray, whose MVP odds are 26 to 1 and Offensive Player of the Year odds are 32 to 1. I've said on this program a number of times that the MVP odds on Kyler Murray were something I'm interested in. I'm actually now far less interested in them than I am the Offensive Player of the Year. Because in order for him to win the MVP, and George, we talked a little bit about this during the break, for him to win the MVP, they'll have to at least make the playoffs, likely win the division, and rip off a huge season. Do we think do i think there's a world in which they could win the division yes but it's a small percentage to me i don't i still don't think they're as good as the niners or the seahawks do the niners have a super bowl hangover and things fall apart maybe we saw it happen to the rams last year uh and they regressed to nine and seven seven instead of the 13 win season that they had last year do the seahawks seahawks have all kinds of problems seahawks? uh seahawks uh i like the seahawks i didn't mean to call them hacks but sorry cam to the Seahawks uh, have a bunch of issues related to their roster and fall apart. Look, it could happen. I don't think they're going to win the division, which is why I like Offensive Player of the Year, because I can see a world in which Kyler throws for 5,000 yards and he has total touchdowns over 30 touchdowns between running he had 24 last year right so he throws for another eight touchdowns he runs for one more you're talking 33 touchdowns now uh based on what he had last year those are big numbers does it definitely win him offensive player of the year no but you know it could go a lot higher than that if this offense really clicks considering the receiving talent that they have if he if he was responsible for 40 touchdowns i'd be like wow that's a crazy year but this is why I would bet on Kyler Murray. I think there's a path for that to happen.
6: I agree with you. You'll get no argument from me. For everything you said, I agree with you. You know, I do look at the schedule, though, and it's, this is yeah, a weird schedule. Yeah. And what I mean by weird is the teams actually play out well for them. This is not a tough schedule, but they're one of the few teams that have three road games in a row. Yes. Now, granted, two of the, against two of those teams they're playing, they should beat anyway, Carolina and the Jets. Uh, we got to throw Dallas. The, their last road game, that three in a row, in Dallas on a Monday night. Oh, that's mm-hmm. fun, you know. So that's a problem. And they also have the bookends. That'd be fun, though. I'd be exciting to watch that game. Dak versus Kyler Murray. Oh yeah, I think it'll get good ratings for uh, ESPN. Yeah. But yeah. their bookends of the of the season are both on the road. You generally mm-hmm. don't see that. They open on the road and they close on the road that's against divisional. divisional opponents. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I don't love that. I mean, I think Mike, when you look at this. What what are we going to give inside the division? Three and three at best?
5: Yeah, that would be a successful
6: I think it'd be very. I, I might lean towards two and four, but I'll give you three and three. If they want to get there over, when they play in weeks two through five, they play Washington, Detroit, Carolina, Jets. You got to go three out of four there. And if you want to compete for a playoff spot, right, you have to go three out of four there. Right? And then, you know, you got Miami there. You played, I don't think New England's an automatic loss. You play the Giants as well.
5: In New England, that's going to be, a, that's a tall it, it, order. Yeah,
6: it, it is a tall order, no doubt. But I don't think they're any great team. I don't. So I think, uh, you know, you could pull off some wins here, then you, an, an upset or two, maybe you beat I think you're right
5: about, the, about their first seven games, you wanting them to come out of there almost like, Definitely four and three, but maybe five and two. And that's two divisional opponents in there and at Dallas, so that's not going to be easy. It's a lot to ask. Miami, Buffalo are home games. After the ball? At Seattle, at New England, versus L.A., at the Giants. It is a tough close in that they're playing Philly, San San Fran, Fran. and at L.A. Home games, uh, two of the first three. But, again, I I don't love the way their schedule lines up. Um I'm bullish on Kyler Murray. I'm not bullish on the team being able to rip off 10 wins, though. So if you're pushing me, I'm going 8-8. and I think they improved to 8-8, and and they're moving things in the right direction. Five-win team to an 8-win team. I think that's very doable for them. Uh, It isn't my favorite bet on the board just because of the the tough breaks that they have in the midst of this schedule. But I'm still bullish in Kyler Murray, and, and I would take the over. How about you, George?
6: I'm not touching it. Uh, I probably lean towards seven wins. I think that's where I go with them. And I still, once again, five to seven, I think is, uh, is a good season for them. I think they're heading in the right direction here. I go five to seven. I'm not, I don't know if I can quite give them to eight.
5: Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if this season starts late and the early games get put on the back of the schedule, that's a much easier way to close. So we'll come back after this, talking about more teams on FFC.
4: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
2: if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss
5: Welcome back to FFC, Mike and George, talking about a big story that is coming through right now uh, concerning the hiring practices of the NFL. Uh, there's a bunch of different NFL reporters reporting on it, Jim Trotter uh, e- uh, of NFL.com uh, and certain ESPN reporters as well. But this uh, harkens back to what Roger Goodell talked about during Super Bowl week when he was when he acknowledged the need to increase the opportunities. For, for minorities to become head coaches and general managers. He said, clearly we are not where we want to be on this level. It's clear we need to change. We have already begun discussing those changes. What stages we can take next to determine better outcomes. And George, now comes a proposal that is apparently going to be voted on very shortly.
6: Yeah, apparently it's gonna be voted on Tuesday during a virtual meeting of the NFL owners here. Uh, it's it's pretty wild, Mike. Uh, uh, listen, I don't know if it'll exactly happen like this, but from what they're reporting, if you hire a minority head coach, you'll get a third-round pick. Uh, your third-round pick will move up six spots. So if you have the 20th pick in the third round, you now get the 14th pick in the third round. I guess everybody else moves down one. If you hire a minority GM, it's 10 spots. So a GM is considered more important than a coach, which I f- kind of find interesting there. Ten spots for a GM, six spots for a coach. Uh, I mean, it's weird. If you retain a, uh, one of these guys, uh, I assume it's a guy, uh, you get a fourth round. Uh, it's like I said, I'm trying to read. Uh, Understand? Like a compensatory fourth
5: compensatory, round. Compensatory,
6: compensatory, yes. Uh, if the coach, if it's his third year on a job, you know, there's other qualifications too. Uh, is this he, is this just for head coaches? Is it for assistant coaches? They go down. They go down the list here. When you go together here. I mean, like I said, it's pretty wild. Quarterback coach will get your fourth 4th round compensatory to retain him. Quarterback coach. That seems wow. to be wow you know, for a fourth round compensatory pick here. And you'll, you'll also be re- uh, rewarded, Mike. You know, if Mike, if you ever steal, if, if Tomlin left the Steelers to go to, I don't know, the Cowboys, the Steelers would get compensation for that. Because he's a minority going from one team to another. So both teams would. Obviously, the Cowboys would or any team would for hiring Tomlin and the Steelers would as well for losing Tomlin, for losing a minority coach. So it, it's, it's weird. A team would move a five spots on the fourth round of its coach or general manager. So both was entering the third year of their job and they kept them. A, a quarterback coach, fourth year, a fourth round compensatory pick if they are retained for one year. So you don't even need to give them multiple multiple years, one year. So could you keep getting I mean, once again, this all has to be worked out. If you keep giving your quarterback coach, you would never give a multi-year deal, right? You keep giving them one-year deals. You get a fourth-round pick every year. Well, that That's what I would do. Yeah, right? Can That's, they that throw makes... the
5: Steelers a couple of picks as soon as this thing goes through? They've I had an African-American head coach for 14 seasons
6: now. I would, I would assume yes, right? They just they keep giving them one-year deals. Yeah. I mean, it's so, weird how this what works out here. I mean, it's an extension would...
5: of the Rooney rule, obviously. Yes. But it also, speaks, it also expe- ex- speaks to how desperate they are to change both the narrative and the actual structure around these hires. I think many people, myself included, have been pretty disappointed the way that these things have gone. Now, look, you're always going to get a hire like what happened with John Gruden, right? John Gruden and Mark Davis have been talking for years about that job. So going through the dog and pony show to bring in a minority candidate, when the Raiders really only wanted to hire John Gruden all along, was frankly a little silly. But I don't think it's silly. Some people say that the the Rooney rule sort of outlasted its effectiveness. I've never really thought that. I think it's important for coaches that aren't getting a fair shake to at least be included in these interview processes. Mike Tomlin is a shining example of what can happen with this rule. If for no other reason than nobody really knew who he was. And he blew everybody away during the interview process. He might not have gotten a chance to interview otherwise. But to start doing draft pick compensation, at my initial reaction to it is it feels a little desperate.
6: Oh, I, I agree. I, th- I think this is crazy. I, I say it goes further here. Uh, if a minority candidate leave, uh, leaves to become a head coach or general manager, like I said, in your, in your case, uh, Tomlin leaves and he becomes a head coach someplace else, the Steelers get a third round pick. If it's a coordinator, it's a fifth-round pick. You yeah. know, as far as teams, once again, like like losing a free agent,
5: you know, what you're gonna get if you let one of these guys go. I understand the GM piece of it, though, right? There's not enough African Americans. Only one, in, I think. In, in, yeah, Chris Greer um, is is really the only one right now. I uh, actually Andrew Burry from Cleveland Browns, but it, really, it, there's been
6: yeah, a too, dearth of people really of color,
5: Dearth of people of color in, in the Decision-making positions regarding personnel uh, in the NFL. So, uh, look, I, I'm always happy when they try to make moves to uh, try to even this out or have this make more sense than it does. But I, I, I never would have expected that draft picks would be tied to it.
6: No, uh, I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it either. And like I said there'll be ways to to juke the system. I imagine you would never give a minor if I imagine maybe uh, one team for one, the one coach can only get it once. I wonder if that's going to be it. And that's how they'll, they'll avoid this. Other than that, why would anybody get once for one, one year one-year, once
5: for one coach, right? Once for one coach. One year you can't just get like
6: one-year deals, right? You know, uh, all that. Or maybe you'll get the, bet.
5: the Chargers would just keep Pep Hamilton on a one-year deals right. in Anthony perpetuity. Lynn. He's
6: gonna get one-year deals forever now. And I'll yeah. take my third-round pick, my fourth-round, whatever pick.
5: Only two African-American there. QB coaches in the league right now: Pep Hamilton, uh, recently hired by the Chargers, and Marcus Brady. Uh, of the Colts. So that is a position that is being incentivized more significantly here, George, uh, the feeling that since there has been 24 of the past 33 head coaching hires have been from the offensive side of the ball, I think the thought process is that having guys like Eric Bieniemy in an offensive coordinator position and Pep Hamilton and Marcus Brady uh, working with quarterbacks, much in the same way that Cliff Kingsbury is seen as sort of this QB guru, They'd want more African American coaches in that position, so they can be the QB guru who are getting hired, right? Zach Taylor got hired because of that. Cliff Kingsbury gets hired because of that. That makes sense to me in terms of that position having more weight. Again, I don't know if the draft picks make any sense to me because the formula seems uh, in it, the formula is invented, right? They're, it's going to be fairly subjective, but look, they they obviously feel the need to keep pushing this boulder up the hill because they're still lagging behind as far as decision makers that are African American.
6: Oh, I I agree something needs to be done. I mean, it's it's a little silly the, the players are more than half minorities yet the coaches, general managers aren't. I mean, that that's a pretty big dis- uh, disparity there. I understand today's players a lot don't a lot of them don't want to coach, don't want to GM right because they've, they've made a ton of money. Why do yeah. I want to work? I it's get a terrible
5: that. job if you have a lot of money. Oh, it's an
6: awful job. Right, you know, who wants to put in those kind of hours? And you really can't win. You're going to get yeah, you get questioned by the media, your owner, the everybody. Just
5: waiting to get fired.
6: Yeah, that's really what it is. There, so I get it, but something does need to be done here. Uh, Dan Graziano is reporting that uh, Goodell is behind this, so he's going to push for it. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see the other things that came out. Really, more. <sighs> yeah, I mean, that's a no
5: lose situation for Roger if they vote it down. He's going to say, well, "I'm trying." I tried.
6: I'm trying to do. You know, they voted it down. Uh, By the way,
5: I don't think – look, Goodell gets a lot of grief, and it's a hard position to uh, sometimes be defending him. But I think on the surface, I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he does does look out for the players in this respect. There are other ways in which, obviously, he's working for the owners, and he's anti-player. Safety rules took a long time to come into play. But in this regard, I think he does look out for the players to get these types of opportunities.
6: When it comes to Goodell, I think two things. I agree with you. I don't think he's a bad guy at all. Uh, but when he's on camera, he comes off very robotic.
5: No he's not good quality. on television. It's he's his not.
6: biggest problem that I mean, he's had his entire he was, tenure. He was probably the best at the draft where you saw more behind the scenes. Goodell eating the M and M's all that, and he was still bad. But at least he became. Uh, you know, he's, he's. not everyone's good on camera. People, some people can't relax. You get very stiff because you realize, oh God, you know, like, I get. That. Paul Tagliabue is not Mister Charisma. But he handled press conferences better. Much better, right. But uh, and but other than that, any, listen, anybody who thinks Goodell is making any decisions, he's not. If the owners say, hey, Goodell, cut the crap, he has to cut the crap. Yeah. All right? I mean, there's nothing he can do. They're his bosses. He's not their bosses. They're his bosses. If yeah. the owners were against all the punishments he's handing out for the hits, then he's not doing it. He's That's just right. not. But they're they're not against it. They they want him to do what he's done. All Goodell is there is so that no one yells at Jerry Jones, no one's yelling at Robert Kraft, Daniel Snyder. Goodell takes all the bullets, all the hits. Everybody in the media, all the fans yell at him. Oh, hi, da, 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 da. that's what that's what his job. That's why he gets paid forty. He yeah, He's He's public enemy
5: number one in New England. It's like well, he didn't do that on his own. He all didn't right. have a bone to pick with Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft helped get him the job. It's seen. It's known that Robert Kraft was probably his single biggest supporter. In in the ownership group, so that put Goodell's relationship with
6: Kraft, somebody that he owed a lot to, in peril. Well, uh, it's, it's funny. I think I forget who points this out. It might be once again. It might be Andrew Brandt. Uh, how all the owners, you know, they're all for each other unless one gets in trouble. Then it's like bury him, bury him. You know, uh, Brandt points that out. Yeah, well, when it comes to Kraft, they want the Kraft buried. They wanted the Jerry Jones buried with the salary cap uh, stuff back in uh, you know in the uncapped year. Same thing with Schneider and uh, New Orleans there. So it is just funny how the owners are all band together unless one gets in trouble and it's like, get him, get him.
5: Uh, Another quote here uh, to wrap up this conversation. This is from uh, Art Rooney II. I think where we are right now, it's not where we want to be. It's not where we need to be, uh, Rooney said. Uh, We need to take a step back and look at what's happening with our hiring processes. The first thing we'll do as part of our diversity committee is really review this past season's hiring cycle and make sure we understand what went on and talk to the people involved, both on the owner's side, manager's side, as well as the people that were interviewed. Uh, the thing I have to, we have to look back at is when the Rooney Rule was passed and put in effect in 2003, there was a period there where we did an increase in minority hiring at the head coaching position. And I think over a period of time, there were 10 or 12 minority coaches hired. Uh, Since that trend seems to reverse itself, particularly since then, that trend seems to reverse itself, particularly in the last few years, we need to study what's going on and understand better what's going on and really decide how we improve the situation. I think it's important to note who is saying that, George. Um, The Rooney family is trying to make this rule part of their legacy, and they don't want to see that rule become less effective or become obsolete in some way. So I'm sure they were behind this rule uh, getting an extra push here, and Goodell seems more than happy to do it for them.
6: Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he, he's he's going for it. He wants it. I think, is, I think there are a lot of reasons why these owners don't hire uh, minorities. I think uh, do I think race plays a part in it? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I don't think it's the major part. I think comfort also plays a part, and you like the fact, you know, think of the Cowboys. Well, you know what? I can hire McCarthy. I know what he's done in the past. He can handle the media. You know, I, I know what I'm getting there. You know, and I think that plays a part there as well. Where you don't want to take the risk of hiring an unknown that you don't know, especially in a big market like the Cavs. Can uh, you know, can somebody who hasn't been a head coach before, minority or not, can they handle all the questions they're going to get asked after a loss, after a tough loss? You know, are they going to flip out? You know, do uh, you know, do Lou Pinella be blasting people? I think happen. it's
5: hard in that scenario to have somebody that hasn't been accustomed to it or hasn't been a head coach before. Agree. I, I think it's hard, but you know. I also, I'm also interested in teams like that shaking things up when you've won a couple of playoff games over the last 25 seasons. It's it's worth shaking things up. But with a win-now team, I understood why they wanted somebody that's been standing up oh, in Jerry front of the media the team anyway. Yeah, this just all true. Uh, so, all right, we'll come back. We'll talk about the Cleveland Browns after this on FFC. Mike and George will be right back.
4: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
2: if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss
5: Hey, everybody, back on FFC. Mike and George talking about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, George, tons of hype last year around this time for the Cleveland Browns. Everybody excited. This year, a little less hype. The odds reflect that there's a little less hype, but they added a bunch more interesting players. Jack Conklin at right tackle, and they draft Jedrick Wills Jr. 10th overall in the first round. And stories came out uh, this week about... Uh, the Browns, and their new offensive line coach, Bill Callahan, uh, talking about how they expect this offensive line to come together. Uh, He thinks Jedrick Wills can be sort of the new era of the dominant left tackle, Lincoln Kennedy, Trent Williams, Tyron Smith, those types of guys. So uh, he said that Barry Sims was a tackle that he worked with a really long time ago. Had come to them as a undrafted free agent. And they had two first-round offensive lineman draft picks. So they put him on the left side, even with these two first-round offensive line draft picks. And he was there for like six or seven years. So Bill Callahan thinks Wills can be a really big part of their offensive line moving forward. They signed Conklin. The biggest problem on the team last year, which you and I talked about exactly a year ago, was going to be that offensive line, and it proved to be the undoing of the offense. As good as Baker is on designed rollouts, he's terrible when the play breaks down and tries to make a play in transition. So thoughts about this offensive line moving forward? You expect Baker to bounce back this season.
6: Well, that's the big key, right? I mean, can Baker mature? I mean, uh, he's really Philip, River, uh, Philip Rivers' light, is what I keep coming on. He's brash. He says things he shouldn't say. Uh, but he, had nothing, he has nothing to back it up yet. You know, so can he make that? You know, can he be the that? I said I don't think he needs to be great, but can he make take, take that next step to at least be average or slightly above average this season? I wonder. I think it's going to be a hard season for them because once again, what's going on in the world here? So you can't practice, you can't have those reps. I think he needs no Jarvis Landry. Assuming we start on time, Jarvis Landry won't be ready. I think we're hearing October now, week four-ish, week five-ish for him. Before he's healthy, Odell uh, Beckham also banged up. You know, though he still he should be ready. And he goes are trade rumors about Odell Beckham. So how does that go over? You know, about him being maybe unhappy, but he had the abdomen, you know, abdomen surgery on uh, Odell. Yeah. So they're both recovering here. You get Austin Hooper. So how many reps are going to happen between those guys? You know, I, I mean, really, do Hooper, Beckham, and Landry get together before October? I don't know. I don't think so. Doesn't seem doesn't seem likely at that point. How does that go? Uh, Chubb, I think you have a great running game. In Chubb, I think you, I think you should rely on Chubb. Rely on Chubb more than uh, Mayfield right now. Let him grow into it. This is what I, what I would do with uh, if, I'm, if I'm Cleveland. You got Kareem Hunt too. Uh, you know, get those short passes working with Kareem Hunt. He's very good at that, and that'll build confidence, and you'll move the ball here. So I think listen, the players are there, Mike. I think you know you and I both know the players are there.
5: Nick Chubb I, had a great season last year, obviously. Chubb,
6: Hunt, Hooper. I mean, Landry, Beckham, you have more than enough players on offense to score points here. It all comes down to Mayfield growing up and making the plays or not making the stupid plays. Not not going with big, huge chunks of yarns when you don't have to. Uh, I don't know if I do. Do you have more confidence
5: in Kevin Stefanski as a first-year head coach than you did uh, with Freddie Kitchens as a first-year head coach? Or? Yes,
6: yes. Okay, okay I'll get, yes. I do have Stefanski over Kitchens, but I don't know if I, if I have much faith in the Brownies Making the right choice. I don't know if they made the right choice. They failed so many, so often here. They seem to be going through a coach a year now. So I don't know if I have much faith in that. But I think that Stefanski can be a guy. Three right? years in a row. Well, Three years in
5: a row with a head. Uh, they have a new head coach.
6: So it's hard to trust the decision makers. I think that's where I am right now with yeah. them. The talent is there. I think most teams would take the talent and say, well, "Yeah, we can mold it to what we want to do here." I just don't know if they're ready. talent-wise,
5: top ten team.
6: Yes, I think I need to see it, though. That's what I'm trying to say. I think I need to see it on the field before I'm going to buy anything. I bought in last I, year. I bought in, and that didn't work out well. Another problem for them is, boy, tough division. Ravens, Steelers. I didn't think you were overly into them last year, though. Not Maybe not overly. Not like it was Jacksonville years ago. When, I think we were
5: I, taking the under. I was taking the under on the Browns last year. I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't think they were going to win the division, which some people thought that they might. I, I didn't no, think that about the Browns.
6: I, I thought they would compete for a playoff spot. Yeah. I believe. I, I said, I don't know for sure, but I, I know I was higher on them. And they it was disappointing to see them pretty much implode, you know, and maybe, maybe you had to take two steps back or in this case of oh, 10 steps back, before you can take that step forward. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll go with that. I said, there's a lot of talent here. Someone has to be able to bring it out of them.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about their odds a little bit here uh, as we go to FanDuel graphic here uh, to win the AFC North. They'll be at plus 480 to win the AFC Championship, plus 1700, 17 to 1. Win the Super Bowl, 34 to 1, plus 3,400. And the win total is seven, the over at minus 115. So a little bit of juice to the over right now. So it's sort of right down the middle, not an expensive bet. So let's take a look at the schedule, George. I'll take a look at Baker's props in in a little bit, although I I don't feel confident about a Baker ripping off an MVP or an Offensive Player of the Year season, personally. Um, They started off at Baltimore, uh, then right into a Thursday nighter. So they got the short week right out of the gate, but they're hosting Cincinnati, so that's helpful. Then they get uh, Washington. It's actually a good time to have your Thursday nighter, George, if you're going to have it, get it out of the way in week two against the worst team in the league. And then you have a 10-day layoff before you play Washington, also at home, no travel there. Um, Then at Dallas, Sunday, October 4th. Then hosting Indianapolis at Pittsburgh, at Cincinnati, Vegas. Exact split down the middle for their bye week. I think it's the same as the Steelers. So that's their first eight games. Give me your sense of those first eight games.
6: I think you hoping for four and four. Uh, I could see five and three, but uh, you gotta take care of business against the bad teams: Cincinnati, Washington, Cincinnati again, and Vegas. Uh, Vegas is sort of a wild card. Maybe they uh, they'll be better, but I don't think they're gonna be great because beating Baltimore in Baltimore, Dallas in Dallas, Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, and Indianapolis, who might be the third best team in the league yeah. in the AFC, is gonna be yeah. rough. Yeah. You know, so I think you uh, you better beat the teams you should beat here. And, uh, you know, if you lose to a team you should lose to, the teams that are better than you, four and four is not the worst thing here.
5: Four clear playoff teams in that first eight with three of them on the road. So it's just, you know, noticeable. Steelers and Indianapolis, you don't know exactly what you're going to get, but we expect both of them to contend for playoff spots, and be right in the mix for their division, certainly, and for playoff spots. Uh, so, yeah, I, I could see that in that four and four, five and three range. Now, coming out of the bye week, they host Houston. So they got they got some breaks here, George, in terms of travel. I'll say, they play like they play at Dallas, then Indianapolis to Baltimore. I mean, first of all, that that's a home game. To Pittsburgh, you actually drive that. Cleveland to Pittsburgh is a drive. At Cincinnati, that's three hours across the state. Home for Vegas bye week. Home for Houston. Home for Philly. So really, from Sunday, October fourth. Until Sunday, November twenty five twenty ninth, shout out to my son. It's his birthday. When they go to Jacksonville, they're home or close to home for a good two months.
6: Yeah, once the Dallas trip is over, they are uh, they're not they can make it argument. they don't need to take any planes. They can even right. take uh, you know trains to where they gotta go here. Uh, like I said, the schedule gets into the bye week, Mike. You know, let's say they're there four and four, just for giggles. Five and three would be great. Houston, Philadelphia, Jacksonville. Got to go two and one there. Yeah, you got to go two and one. I think you could beat Houston coming off the bye. I don't. You should beat Jacksonville. So if that loss to Philadelphia it's not huge, you know, if if, if you lose to, them, I'm not saying it's a definite loss. you're six yeah. and five. Like you know, if you are going to
5: be a competitive team, they got to be winning those games, right?
6: You have to. You got to. You got to beat the team. Even the Philly. Team. And you got to be well, asking to win three in a row, though. I think it's a little I'll rough. Get it. Yeah, I get you know, it. So I'll, I'll give you two and one there. You'll be six and five at Tennessee and Baltimore back to back. Here's the problem. I mean, but, you know, it's, it's not a terrible problem because even if you lose both, then you get the New York teams, or New Jersey it's like the teams.
5: It's the third time play. we've gone through the schedules where the teams are playing the New York teams back-to-back weeks. Just thinking the same thing. They, they have are- to go to New York twice. I think Seattle hosts both New York teams back-to-back weeks, which is weird. But now Cleveland, in the end of December, is going to the Giants and to the Jets and then host is, hosts Pittsburgh. So it's kind of a funky end to the season there.
6: Well, you know, uh, if you can beat both New York teams, you know, you still a game above 500. That Pittsburgh game, it might be important, but I think they could squeeze into that seventh spot. So I think they're going to be an eight and eight, nine and seven team somewhere around there. You know, I think they could squeeze into that seventh spot because you, know, you think about the playoffs in the AFC as a whole. All right, you know, let's give it divisions to Buffalo, Baltimore, uh, the Chiefs, Indianapolis. and Indianapolis, those four teams. Who else are playoff teams? Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. i'll give pittsburgh uh tennessee. tennessee i'll give tennessee who is that seventh playoff team i'm not so sure about new england i'm, I'm not a big believer uh,
5: i would have to throw them in the mix first throw in of, the mix, the teams sure. that are left
6: i'm, I'm you know, i might even throw miami in the mix by the way if things go right for them but yeah. new england i throw so, cleveland in there
5: look i didn't like the browns to make the playoffs last year I feel better about them making the playoffs. This because year, it's, the the yeah. it's because it's in seventh.
6: It's because I wouldn't. If it was still six, I wouldn't like it. But now that it's seventh, I think it's between them, New England. I mean, Houston maybe. Chargers depends on how Herbert goes. I there. can't
5: see how it's all going to come together for Houston. I agree. I, I agree. Keep with going you. through it. I think th- everything's going to have to go right for them. And when I start to, when I start to, when you start to do that your story falls apart on you, right? Now, it does happen for teams every year. It all came together for the Niners last year, obviously. It just all came together. Everything went right for them. Jimmy played better. Kittle was a monster. The defense was unbelievable. It just, they won some funky games in New Orleans versus Pittsburgh where they won these last second crazy games and they were the one seed and boom, they're in the Super Bowl. So that does happen but I can't see that happening with Houston personally.
6: No, I would agree. I think if I was, once again, if I was betting, I wouldn't have Houston in. Yeah. But that my point is that I, listen, I think Cleveland might be able to get that seventh spot. You know, because I think, once again, you think seventh playoff spot, one of the arguments against it was that there's going to be a 500 team or even a less than 500 team eventually make the playoffs, and I would agree. But eight and eight, nine and seven put you right there for it. I think this is about where they are. Eight and yeah. eight, nine and seven. I think they'll be competing for it. And, I, and listen, it wouldn't even shock you that last game versus Pittsburgh – is a play get in, you know, Oh, hell goes. yeah, man.
5: I think, t- I think that game's a big game for both teams. Steelers I, might be jockeying I, for position. Yeah, that's I might kind of lean to towards
6: it. that. I think the Steelers yeah. are in, but they're jockeying for position. But still, jockeying for position, does it really matter? If they're not? If it's just to move like up home from game. five to three, yeah. you know, it could be a home game, but still, players necessarily, you know, you may not even go all out that game because you got to play a week later. I think, yeah. uh, I think it would give Cleveland an edge, especially since it's at home. If it's a play in and get in game for Cleveland. Yeah. So uh, I do think they have a, a fairly good shot at making the playoffs.
5: Yeah, I think that's the most interesting part about the seventh spot, right? Is that how, what a big advantage that one seed is.
6: Oh, yeah. I mean, I hope we don't, we're still seeing it in football anyway, that the one of the top two seeds is always going to the Super Bowl now. But yeah. that one, that number one seed, they get it's the only team that gets a rest now, huge yeah. advantage.
5: Yeah. Let me see if right before the break, I can find what Baker Mayfield's Props are nfl regular season mvp baker mayfield 29 to 1 george an offensive player of the year he comes in at i can't find it so 29 to 1 baker to win mvp well,
6: that's nice football full circle once again mike and george we'll be back
4: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss.
5: Hey, everybody, closing it out here on FFC, Mike and George, talking about the New England Patriots, who had a obviously very quiet offseason. Nothing happened in Gillette. No big stories. Everybody's coming back, George. And uh, hardly anything to talk about. Just run it back for the uh, 12th year in a row, trying to win this division, right?
6: Yeah, if you've been living under a rock, uh, yeah, Tom Brady's gone, folks. Uh, Get over it. I think, you know, for me, Mike, it's almost as big a story almost, uh, that Brady left, but that New England didn't do, didn't even try to sign anybody else at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I didn't try for Cam, didn't try for Winston, didn't try for Dalton. You know, they just they believe in Uh And I sort of get that. He's been in their system for a couple of years, so they know him. They And they're trusting that he can uh, run this offense, run it well. I mean, it'll be a different offense. It won't be the same offenses with Brady. But, uh, I have my doubts. I really have my doubts. I mean, Tom Brady, the way you want to argue it or not, he's a top three all-time quarterback. Uh, certainly knew uh, for that team he was the best quarterback ever, the way he ran that system. the You way said Belichick top three. Who's the other two? Well, I find this funny. I know this is going to rub some people the long, wrong way. But if I am – I'm not guaranteeing he goes to New England and Belichick. But if I'm starting as, uh, a team today and I can pick any quarterback in history and I get them in their prime, Brady's not the one I want. I want a mobile quarterback. You know, I, I sort of lean towards Aaron Rodgers. Well,
5: today. Today you're starting the team with these rules? Is that what you're
6: saying? Yeah, it has to be with today's rules because Brady played during today's rules, which means every quarterback who played ever is going to get a, a huge boost. Yes. But I, a mobile quarterback, I have to have one. Steve Young, I think, comes into play here as well for what he can do. But I think I'm going he's Aaron Rodgers. so he's awesome. The, uh, the left-handed, I think, actually hurts him a little bit <laughs> because you know, that means you have to change your offense to be How a dare you? How dare you? Oh, are you a lefty? Absolutely.
5: Tua. Freaking Tua, people. Young, yeah. Jim Zorn. I
6: rest Jim my case. Zorn. Jim Zorn is Steve Largent. I uh, A little love boomer, too, back in the day. The icky shuffle, man. But uh, um, I just think uh, I'd want Aaron Rodgers for what he could do. The fact that uh, I wouldn't call him a runner, but he could run. Could can get out of the pocket by time. And he, could, uh, he had a rocket for an arm. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anybody really throw the ball like Aaron Rodgers in his prime. Mahomes.
5: I know it's early, but we'll
6: probably need to see more. Yeah, I don't think I'm not going to put Mahomes in this conversation yet. You took me five years from now. Yeah, it may be Mahomes, but I think you got to play a little bit longer. Yeah. To, before I can start giving that's you Hall right. Fame status, yeah. so I think I would go Aaron Rodgers above him just for that reason, because I don't know if Brady's the same quarterback in another system without another great head coach. I think that's part of the reason why Brady wants out. By the way, it's it. if they go to a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay this year, then forget what I just said. Give me Tom Brady.
5: Skill set, skill set guy that would have benefited the most, old school guy, one of the guys that would have benefited the most from uh, these rules, uh, Roger Staubach, actually. Staubach would have been an excellent modern-day quarterback when you consider his skill set and what it would mean uh, in a modern day. He was an accurate quarterback back then. He would be obviously more accurate now with the rules and everything else. am not suggesting he's better than Tom Brady. I'm just saying it's fun to play around those. Different rules for different those. times. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, so, I, all
6: right, I, so pass. I'm, I'm not done yet, damn it. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry. Once again, because of what's going on in the world here, I spent a lot of my, you know, like most of us, online each night. And I got to admit, man, like, Facebook, they always tell you videos you should watch. I've been watching a lot of old cowboy games. You know, last night they had a, a video that a came up. A lot of
2: L's. With...
6: <laughs> wow! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. By old, I mean i mean producer, really... Brian Rakowski likes that. I, I'm talking before. Before the Jerry Jones era. You got it. When I say old, I'm not talking, you know, late 90s. I'm talking 70s. Uh, and uh, last night they had the uh, 77 game between Dallas and the Giants. And uh, you'll see the highlights of you know, Starback. Dorsett was his first, Dorsett's first game. Uh, scored two touchdowns, by the way. Uh, Would have been a good fantasy pick. Uh, you know, Dor- uh, Starback, Dorsett, Preston Pearson, Tony Hill, Drew Pearson. Just, just great. It's, uh, it's been one good thing that's come out of this. A lot of enjoyable watching the old Cowboys, the guys I grew up with. Uh, watching them, and Staubach was uh, was my favorite player. got some couple of pictures of him on the wall up to your right there, Mike. Yeah, he's
5: made a fancy, uh, n- nice, uh, hugely successful life for himself after football, too. Real estate, too. right? Real estate? Uh, yeah, the Staubach companies. He's got a whole, it's like a conglomerate in hundreds of millions of dollars of valuation. He looks
6: like he was hit the head too many times, though. Uh, he does? He, I, he's got that, he's still got that poofy hair. They're really back That's going. The hair.
5: It's the hair. I, I, just, I love Ralph I don't I think so. so.
6: He yeah. does look like he got... That's why he retired, because of the concussions. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just like Troy Aikman. He re, yeah. uh, and the, the greatest thing, he retired. Uh, that, one of my favorite games ever. Dallas was down... Uh, it was 30, 34-21 to the uh, the Redskins. About, I don't know, three minutes left on the game. And, uh, listen, I was 10 at the time. I, I took my shower. It was a Sunday night game. took my shower. I get out, and I see Dallas uh, wins the game, 35-34. That was the game uh, where the, they did the alley-oop pass to Tony Hill. And oh, Joe nice. Tyson, who was... He was the quarterback of Washington at the time, and he said he was on the sideline watching it. You know, when I saw it, it was exactly what I, w- I would have done. I saw Roger go back. I say, oh, don't see it. Then I see him throw the ball. I'm like, uh-oh, overthrow it. Then I see Tony <laughs> Hill. I'm like, uh-oh, drop it. Then I just said, uh-oh.
2: <laughs>
6: great line by Thiesman.
5: Yeah. Um, good stuff. So a little, uh, a little bit of throwback. I haven't been watching as many of the Steelers' old contests, but I threw on a, an old Florida State-Miami contest from 2002 when that was a was still a loaded uh, Miami Hurricanes team Andre Johnson, Willis McGahee, Frank Gores on that team, Clinton Portis, like these guys were the real deal. Uh, do, you watch, the, uh, Ken Dorsey do you watch was,
6: stuff that's on ESPN? Do you watch the old games? I haven't to-
5: I haven't really done it, but last night we filmed a show. I sat down on the couch, I watched I turned on ESPN and that Miami Florida State game was on. Miami scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter uh to come back and go ahead by one point. Florida State drives down the field. Chris Ricks was their quarterback. Um there's a lot of names on there. By the way, Bullware who we mentioned on yesterday's show, Bullware was on uh, defense for Florida State. Michael Bullware I think it was. Uh and they drive down, Florida State gets into field position. Greg Jones, their running back, had 200 yards rushing. It's a 90-degree day in the Orange Bowl. Xavier Batia, the kicker, lines up, 42-yard 42, 42 field goal. Wide left. After the two wide rights of the late 80s, early 90s that happened at Bowden, Batia goes wide left, and they missed it. Crushing, crushing defeat for the Knowles. And it kept Miami undefeated. They went on to play Ohio State. Uh, and what I consider to be the greatest robbery in the history of officiating. Uh, there's was pass interference called on the last play of the game, gave Ohio State the ball back. Ohio State ends up winning Jim Trestle that national title. But nonetheless, that Miami Hurricanes team had gone undefeated in 01 and were remained undefeated until the Orange Bowl when they lost uh, to Ohio State. Anyway, that's my uh, – that's or maybe it was a fiesta bowl. Uh, nonetheless, uh, that's my – that's the one game that I've watched Recently, but uh, we got a few minutes on the Pats. And what's
6: the total there, George? Nine? Nine. Nine is the total there with 115, minus 115 towards the under.
5: Got it. So uh, to win the conference championship, New England, behind only the Chiefs and the Ravens at plus 1,000, to win the AFC East, plus 120, still the favorites, actually, the Bills at plus 130. Give me the Bills. Uh, Yeah, I know you like the Bills a lot. I still am not sure how New England's going to shake out, but we're talking, you know, they're all in on Stidham. Um, There are thoughts that maybe Hoyer can play too, and they'll just tough it out, but they did lose a lot of players. Miami signed a few. uh, The Lions signed a few. It's Tentacles of the Bill Belichick coaching tree with Flores and Patricia. So let's go through the schedule here. Just a few minutes left. They lost to Miami to start to end the season in Gillette last year. They open it up in Miami where they've actually struggled historically when Tom Brady was to QB. It's going to be hot as Hades down there uh, in the middle of September in Miami at 1 o'clock start. So what do we think uh, of these first few games? They start with Miami at Seattle. Uh, they host the Raiders, then to Kansas City, then they host Denver. So some pretty good teams in there. I think we th- I think we feel all of these teams can compete or will definitely make the playoffs, and the road games at Seattle or Kansas City are not good breaks.
6: You're going to find out real quick about Stidham. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Miami, you mentioned they, they've struggled at Miami anyway, even though yeah. Tom Brady, uh, first game of the season, it'll be somewhere around 100 degrees, I'm sure, yeah. down there. I mean, maybe they get lucky and it's 90. Well, it rains, I think that'd be their best chance there. You're talking these first five games, Mike, I think you're thrilled to go 3-2, and two. but I'm looking at 2-3. and three.
5: It's tough. It's, it's not, you know, these these You're losing these to Seattle and you
6: lose to Kansas City.
5: Yeah.
6: Right? I don't I don't see you winning either road road game there. And I don't know if you can beat Miami, Vegas, and Denver. They're all at home. But I don't know if you could beat all three. That's why I think you're you're thrilled to go three and two, but I'm gonna give you two and three. And then it yeah. gets it just gets worse.
5: Yeah. So the bye week comes a little early for this team. Um and then they go then they get to host San Francisco. So that's a pretty good comes time. home. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy against uh, Stidham, so that obviously that'll be the story of the week. Hopefully Stidham's still in there, and it's not Hoyer. That'll be anticlimactic. Uh, then they go to Buffalo. Tom Brady went thirty-one and three against Buffalo as New England's quarterback. Thirty-one and three. What's that?
6: Stidham's going zero one.
5: So then they go at Buffalo. Then they come down to play the Jets. Uh, I would say come down. Just I think you all of you know that have watched us enough by now. Uh, we're both in New York. We live not too far from one another. Uh, so they go to the Jets, then Baltimore. They host Baltimore. That's a little bit of a break. They get the Niners and Baltimore a few weeks apart, but they're both at home. I, I, it's if not they, a break that Niners you have to play both of those in teams. Niners and
6: Baltimore three out of four weeks. Yeah, That's it's not brutal. Tough. I mean, just brutal. And it's tough. If you come out two and three, you could be looking at three and six right now.
5: Those are going to be three first-place teams.
6: You could be looking at three and six right now, which is sort of what I expect. Four and five at best.
5: Uh, then they go at Houston, host Arizona, at the Chargers, at the Rams. Again, it's another t- another team that is going to be. It's, that's so weird.
6: Back-to-back this keeps
5: happening. LA. They're at back to back in LA. Uh, although, oh yeah, they of, have to stay Thursday night game. See, that's actually a break though.
6: But what are they smoking here? You're forcing the team to stay. It's a terrible scheduling. You're forcing the team to stay. Yeah, but doesn't that
5: doesn't that help? You have to go back way, home. And I then, just realized
6: that that first game against Miami is in New England, not Miami, by the way.
5: Oh, uh, you're right. That's my fault. I set it up wrong. That's my <laughs> fault. That's my fault.
6: It's a Miami-Lateness. That's actually good. Okay, now I can see it going three. Uh, well, still enough. But well, They I don't, don't have to travel
5: after that Sunday game for the Thursday game. They just stay in the same hotel. Yes. Same stadium, same hotel.
6: With no fans, what does it matter? Find a place where you can practice. That is an advantage. You're right. They'll get an extra day of practice because of that.
5: And then then they have 10 days off before they go to Miami. I screwed up. It was not. It was a home game to start. They're at Miami late December. Then uh, they host Buffalo, New York. Honestly, that's, that's sort of a break to get those games at home there. And Miami, you're not having to play in the heat. So the in a row, two
6: one in Miami. I, I, I'm taking the under. I don't see how you go. I don't see how you get over nine. You may hit nine, but you're not going ten. Sorry, Bill. I think you're the greatest coach in history, but it's just not uh, not happening. I don't
5: um. Not Too as much to go right.
6: I'm Are not you? as it's down lost. on
5: on them as you, but I think you're it's not crazy.
6: This roster, I think. Bro, I think bro, you're
5: crazy to bet bad. on the Patriots this year to to do a lot. I think you're just you're betting on Bill, and uh, he's a good guy to bet on. But I- I'm gonna hold off. So that's it. Uh, on behalf of our producer Brian Rakowski uh, and George Kurtz, I'm Mike Blewett. Thanks for watching FFC. Get on the grid.
4: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss.